1 Peter 4, verses 1 through 6. Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, so as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. For the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do, living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. With respect to this, they are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery, and they malign you. But they will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is why the gospel was preached to those who are dead, that that though judged in the flesh the way people are, they might live in the spirit the way God does. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right, well, we're continuing on. We're now in chapter four of First Peter once again, joined by the beautiful, the genius, the wise, Billy Bean. Oh my goodness. (laughs) And uh, so, you know, this theme of suffering is continuing. And Mm. uh, it seems specifically suffering in the sense of, in today's passage, which is kind of resonant with the past few days, it's it's this uh, opposition the suffering of being maligned um, or antagonized uh, for living differently, right. and it ties all the way back to the first verse of peace, First Peter, as he addresses his audience as elect exiles, so exiles who are set apart from others, and so that is kind of the theme as we are continuing here. Uh, you know, verse six, uh, the gospel preached to the dead, gets a little more into. It's it's the same idea. It seems that he starts to hit on in verse nineteen of chapter three, which was yesterday. Um, Christ going and proclaiming to the spirits in prison, and so we can chat about that and just all the other stuff going on. Uh, Billy, the people are yearning to know what does what does the great Billy Bean think about the first six verses of First Peter four? Yeah, well, I mean. I think there's just something to this whole idea of living kind of this exilic life. I mean, these are actual literal exiles that are, you know, in the dispersion. Um, These are Jewish followers of Christ that are living in these foreign contexts and they're living in places where uh, they are opposed for living the Christian life. They're opposed for what they proclaim for the reason that of the hope that they have, that they're Mm -hmm. speaking about. And they're Mm -hmm. opposed for this reason. There's actual opposition that pertains to their faith. And, you know, there's something to this idea of, you know, in a sense, we're all exiles, Mm -hmm. you know, we're, we're, we're born again. We're of a new world. Uh, If you were, we're citizens of the kingdom of God. And so in the Christian life to varying degrees, I think we're all going to face opposition and and we're going to suffer for our faith, for speaking about our faith. And so um, I just, you know, in the, in the immediate, you know, context of this passage, I see that um, you know, this idea that because Christ has suffered, um, because he has gone before us and has suffered and been maligned and mm-hmm. he's, he's, ex- he's exhibited perfect character in the face of that. And he's mm-hmm. lived perfectly in the face of that. And then he's conquered, uh, sin and death through his work on the cross that now empowers us in light of that gospel. We're now empowered to also face suffering very similarly. And, you know, in Absolutely. the last few days we've talked about Christian conduct, godly conduct in the face of opposition. Christian virtues, humility, the mm-hmm. way that we are to live in the face of opposition. 
And um, there's just, there's a work of sanctification that, that happens, that, that the Lord uses as we are empowered to live fearlessly in the face of suffering and opposition. And we were, were able to no longer live uh, for the rest of the time in the flesh, as verse two says, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. And so, um, yeah, I, I guess I'm just thinking of, of suffering, looking at suffering as a means of grace um, because our, our Christ has suffered. He's now giving us uh, the grace to suffer and suffer well and to live with godly conduct in the face of opposition. Absolutely. You know, I, I think that the way he frames it in verse one is so important that basically the way that we observe Christ's suffering becomes a foundation mm-hmm. for how we are to understand our time on earth. And that brings up this really important theme of identifying with Jesus and sharing in his sufferings so that we can share in his victory and mm-hmm. in his rising. And that that is a distinct idea, you know, where Jesus is not, he's not a philosopher that we subscribe to or, you know, a, a thought leader that we, like an ancient thought leader that we appreciate. Right. But there's this very intimate identity that we share with him. And that can actually completely spin, like when, especially in this type of suffering where we suffer for doing good, Mm. we can find a very, very, very distinct type of hope in that, in that we are sharing in more and more of Christ's identity. And that it's a unique form of intimacy that we can find with Christ as we suffer in the same way and the same nature that he did. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It makes me think of our Christians and uh, Christian brothers and sisters around the world, you know, particularly in persecuted contexts. I mean, they're not just maligned um, in a way that, you know, they go home and feel, you know, bad that their friends picked on them. I mean, they're, they're maligned, uh, you know, to the point of death, being hunted, being pursued. Um, And, you know, it kind of brings me to verse six where, you know, this is the reason why the gospel was preached to those people. It says to even to those who are dead, which, you know, I, I think that maybe he's, he's talking about those who have who have passed since the writing of this letter. Um, but the gospel was preached to, to those who were suffering in that type of a way. They were being maligned and hunted, even per, perhaps to the point of death, torture, physical opposition, you know, who knows. But they this gospel was preached to them that though they were judged in the in the uh, flesh the way that people are, mm. they might now live in the spirit the way God does. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, this is what the gospel does. It brings life, uh, even in the face of, you know, things that appear dead or suffering, th- things that are fallen. Um, we have hope that, you know, as we cling to Christ, as we believe in the gospel, we're going to live the way that we're going to live in the spirit the way God does. Absolutely. It's that idea. I mean, I think that's a great reading of verse six that, you know, sort of those who are judged uh, are condemned in all earthly standards are actually alive in a spiritual sense. Mm, and yeah. uh, Peter's kind of opening up those like concentric planes of reality that there's the the physical reality and then there's spiritual yep. reality. And that even that when the circumstances uh, that we face um, are are grim, that our spiritual reality, our state, our security 
before God um, is completely not altered because it's been secured Amen. through the perfect suffering of Christ. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Love that. Well, we're going to continue to press on through First Peter. And, uh, you know, we're in the back half of the letter and it's uh, it's getting good. It's getting spicy. It's getting dense. And so yep. you better come back and we will see you tomorrow on our daily rhythm. Thanks for listening to Our Daily Rhythm. I'm Jason Dees, one of the pastors of Christ Covenant, and Our Daily Rhythm is a ministry of our church designed to help you more faithfully and effectively meditate on God's Word. If you ever have a question for us about one of our Bible readings or one of your own Bible readings, please don't hesitate to text us at 404-465-1737. Again, that's 404-465-1737. Or email me directly at jason at christcovenant.com. We'll meet you again tomorrow for Our Daily Rhythm.